Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie. And if you are struggling in a high conflict relationship, divorce, custody battle, or co-parenting situation that requires individualized attention, let Chris and Lisa at Been There Got Out hold your hand along the way while providing expert strategic guidance based on one's years of success as a pro se coupled with the other's high conflict divorce coach certification. Go to bentheregotout.com and I will put that in the podcast notes. I have a return guest. She was on season one, episode 17. Her name is Heidi Weber. She has been dealing with CPS and she's got more going on that um, she's going to update us with. So how are you, Heidi? Well, I am doing very well, actually. I'm doing very well. We are in the middle of a federal case. Um, I could not let it slide. Uh, my, my children are all over 18 at this point, but um, gosh, where do I even start with this? I was a whistleblower um, you know, several years ago and fought for students. I was a dean of a college and fought for students' rights um, for them to not be defrauded by the school. And uh, so I, I went through a long legal case with that, three to five years, and went through a seven-day trial against uh, this school network, national network that I worked for, and the jury was unanimous in my favor. I had found uh, several ethical issues and that sort of thing. Um, flash forward, um, that was in 2013, so my case finally settled in 15. Uh, flash forward, uh, just uh, last year, actually a year, it's been a little over a year now, um, my youngest daughter was 17 years and eight months. So 17 years old and eight months, so four months from being 18. Uh, a star student, honor student, the youngest one. Um, she was uh, captain of the dance team uh, and just, she never gave us any trouble. She had epilepsy and so she was actually kind of a shining star because she uh, was captain of the dance team and did all these, these athletic things and, and overcame epilepsy. So it was great, she's a good kid. Um, all of a sudden I get CPS knocking at my door um, and it, it, it was, it wasn't devastating to me because I've worked in clinical for so long. I'm a mandatory reporter and I've worked in the clinical environment and I've dealt with CPS before. Um, so I know, you know, the basic rim, basic outline of what they're, what they're all about. Um, I know that they have to respond to abuse or neglect. Those are the two criteria that they respond to, correct? Right, Marianne? You know that too. Unfortunately. Yeah, I know, right? So uh, they come knocking at my door and I'm thinking, okay, well, um, this is crazy. I, I thought that they were coming in response to actually help because uh, let me go back just a few weeks before they come knocking on my door. In March of 2020, my young husband, who's healthy, doing great, um, he's had high blood pressure, had a stroke after COVID. So um, that was pretty devastating. Uh, we had just gotten him home and he and our youngest daughter were in a car accident that totaled my car on the way to the doctor for a follow-up. Oh my goodness. Um, it, yeah, it wasn't their fault, but uh, my youngest daughter was driving and it wasn't their fault, but still totaled my car. And then uh, two weeks after that, my daughter ended up having an emergency appendectomy. And mm. they think it was from the seatbelt from the car, but 
you know, that wasn't, you're not sure. Um, CPS came knocking at my door one day after she returned home from surgery. And, you know, she had had, you know, visits with the physician. She, you know, you have to get cleared to have surgery, obviously, you know, when I took her to the ER. Um, so she had had these exams with these physician, the surgeon and, and the regular doctor. And uh, they cleared her. Nothing was ever said about anything. Um, she's doing great. She'd had her surgery, she's at home recovering. I get a knock from CPS. I'm thinking, oh, somebody in the community is just worried about us because we had had an outpouring of, of just people with, with great cards and you know wanting to help go fund me. You know, mm -hmm. it was great. It was really, well, that stopped immediately. Um, there was one anonymous report, I guess, alleging that they had, there were concerns for drug use by me and my husband in our home. And I, I thought, what, wait, what, what? <laughs> no. That's terrible. I, so then me as a dummy, you know, I didn't learn anything about CPS. I, I, the real deal about CPS, uh, you know, I'm still this naive person like everybody else out there and trust them and, mm -hmm. oh, they're there for kids. They're, you know, they'll figure this out. So I think, okay, well, I'll schedule a visit, have them come to my home so they can see what our home looks like and, and see us and speak with us and all that. Um, so they come in and she brings a deputy sheriff with her that day, the CPS uh, mm -hmm. intake worker. She's not a social worker. She's an intake worker in Wisconsin. You do not have to be a social worker to do this job, make these <laughs> decisions, evidently. And uh, yeah, so that's getting up to the visit part. Um, it was... I, it was the most horrifying experience I've ever had in my life. Mm. Uh, the interview, thank goodness, was recorded uh, because the deputy sheriff had a, a cam, you know, body cam, but although the video wasn't on, the audio was on, so at least have that. Um, there's, you know, I argue with the intake worker saying, there's an allegation of drug use isn't enough. You're not going to come in my home and, you know, accuse me of this and tell me I need to be forced to take a drug test. I said, first of all, you're not a licensed lab person. I know that, from, you know, I'm a clinic person. I, I'm a medical assistant, board certified. So I know that there's a lot of stipulation around that. And, and I don't trust this woman. I, I'm, no. I'm not doing a drug test for you. I don't have any history. Neither my husband or I have any arrests or drug history or alcohol history or mental health. Um, well, I probably have mental health now after all this, but who wouldn't, um, you know, really it, it's, it's horrifying. Um, so I, you know, she asked me to take a drug test. I refused and, and she's not even addressing my husband the whole time. You know, he's recovering from a stroke and he's actually doing pretty good at that point. Um, and he's able to walk and talk and do all the things he's supposed to semi, you know, um, but she wasn't even addressing him. It was like he wasn't even there, like he was invisible. Mm -hmm. um, it was all aimed at me. And I said, I didn't deny it. I just said, until I can talk to an attorney. Well, come to find out, she says, why well, I, I need to take your daughter then. Wait, what? What do you mean? <laughs> what is this, Nazi Germany? Well, I said, uh. take my daughter. What? She goes, well, since he won't do a drug test right now on the spot. And the deputy sheriff is silent get this at this point he's quiet oh, no. you know she said uh i need to i need to take her she's gonna need to go stay with her older sister my oldest daughter <laughs> and my oldest daughter and i are not uh currently getting along i mean 
I try. Um, she chose money over her relationship with us mm-hmm. and um, went behind my back last year and uh, talked my mother, who has dementia, into writing us basically out of her will and replacing me with my oldest daughter. And so we were just getting ready to fight that battle um, because, you know, I, I just am devastated. I was devastated Mm -hmm. over that. Um, Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe that she had done that. And, you know, but, you know, go to, otherwise all three of my daughters are great kids. They were never in trouble. They never, they followed the rules. I didn't have to, you know, they just were great kids when they were here. Mm -hmm. Um, So I believe I'm not for sure, but I believe that this call has something to do with my oldest daughter mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. trying to discredit me so that if we did go to court, you know, it would be some kind of, you know. Anyway, mm-hmm. the, the caseworker just just tells me she's taking my daughter and, and I have to sign some protective plan or whatever, some safety plan. Oh, that's funny because she calls it a safety plan when you're in your home and then later on it becomes this ominous protection plan you know so it's funny how they manipulate words marianne they just, oh i know it um, well they, they twist everything to fit their own narrative so they can steal from the parent and get more from the state absolutely and i i don't know where they go to school to learn how to document like this i was just reading through some of this these papers because we're in the middle of a court case with them but um so I'll get into that in a second here. So anyway. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. I'm bawling at this point. I mean, I am just devastated. It was like two weeks before this. She's giving a speech at her dance recital thing that says, thank you, mom and dad, for everything you've done for me. Um, thank you for everything. But she's crying at this point. Um, mm. The deputy sheriff finally steps up and says, you know, he wants a tour of our home. Mm. So I said, okay. I have no problem with that, you know, fine. Cause it was getting kind of heated and I, you know, so he's trying to diffuse it. So we give him and this gal a tour. And by the way, I live in Wisconsin. So if anybody has a Wisconsin case and you've been persecuted by them, please get a hold of me, please, please. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can sure help and I can help you now, hopefully. So um, anyway, uh, give him a tour. The deputy sheriff turns to my husband and I and says, I find no probable cause here for anything. And I'm closing my end of this file the minute I get back to the office. Hmm. So I'm like, ding, 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 jackpot. You know, that should be clearance right there. Right. Um, you, the law enforcement with her says there's no, you know, and the only allegation is a concern for drug use. So if he, you know, if they're clearing hmm. us, that shouldn't have been an issue. Nope. She interrupts them and says, Jana, go get your things. I'm still taking her, still sending her over to her daughters. Hey, My Heidi. daughter's oldest. Yes, ma'am. What would happen if your, your daughter would have dug her heels in and said, no, I'm staying here with mom. I'm not going with you. Get out of here. I don't know. I don't know. Because I think, you know, the, I think she had plays a part in this too, obviously. Um, but she's a minor. She was 17. You know, I, yeah, she's 17 and she definitely, you know, is not, um, she also was, because of the issue with my daughter and I, she doesn't get to see her that often. And I, I think she really missed her sisters. I really do. I think she thought, 
oh, well, this won't go that far or whatever. I, oh, I my think goodness. She's, it was one of those deals where she stepped in it and kind of went along with it because she didn't want to admit that, you know, maybe she lied or told somebody a story or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I fully believe that. I just, I have a, a text from her the night before this saying, I love you, mom and dad. I'm I'm in a lot of pain from surgery. Will you come lay with me or snuggle with me? Which Matt, my husband did, you know, we take turns. But um, so, I mean, I have texts all the way up until the night before. And then um, that was a little over a year ago. Mary and I haven't seen her since. That was the last day I this saw her terrible. and talked to her. She, they would not allow us to have any visitation. Couldn't even write her a letter, couldn't go to her graduation. Um, mm -hmm. It was devastating. I cried every night for months, you know, because um, I just could not believe my children were doing this to me. Um, and she has, you know, my oldest daughter then, of course, had a hold of her because she was at her house. And my husband went over to get her a couple weeks later saying, this protective plan or whatever it is, is crap. It's it's not a court order. It's just an agreement. And we still have all of our parental rights, which we did. Um, and we still did, still do, or whatever, up until the end, because our case was dismissed, ultimately. Uh, but after they put us through hell and destroyed my relationship with my kids, but completely. Um, mm -hmm. She was my baby, Marianne. I even talked to her for over a year. And, um, this is heartbreaking. It really is, because it's not right. It really is not right. So I went in during this time. I'm going to start crying. No, nope, I'm not going to cry. No, you won't. I can no, hold this together. Yeah. Um, I went in. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, like, you know, like, even as I think backward, you know, if I go back in time and I think, what if, as soon as I entered the door and started this BS, I should have just know. called the lawyer and ran the whole case right into federal court right then and there. I mean, I, I just mm -hmm. wonder what would have happened. I know. Well, we, you know, my husband is really good at doing that whole what if business. And I try and not do that. I try and stay away from that because mm -hmm. that's very dangerous. That's a slippery slope. There's nothing I can do to change, you know, that day. I mean, my God, my husband had just had a stroke. I have, you know, we lost half our income because he had a stroke and mm. that's, you know, he was just changing jobs. So there's no disability or anything like that. Mm. There's just me. Um, we just had a lot going on. Jana's going to college. Our other daughter, our middle daughter, was graduating from college that year. And I had paid for half her rent, you know, half the year. But it, it was just devastating. And I was not in a good place. And I think that the CPS people were, you know, I'm thinking they're there to help families, you know, to give us services. And I'm asking them, saying, you know, if somebody is alleging this, if it's my girls, please get us counseling. I, I could use counseling. I mean, I, I am just, I'm not doing very well dealing with all this stuff, but mm -hmm. they are, there were no services offered, nothing. They mm -hmm. did not investigate. They didn't talk to other, any of our neighbors, anybody that, that knows us or talks to us. They didn't look into any background. They just automatically pulled at the hip. Oh, here's my kitty in the background here. He's naughty too. Um, anyway, they, uh, the, the officer had said there's no probable cause and she said, well, I'm still going to take her and she put just for a couple of days until I can finish my investigation. And I'm thinking, okay, well, uh, you know, I'm trying to be reasonable here and a goal, maybe that, okay. My husband is getting pissed at this point and he's saying, you know, fine, take her. If she really thinks it's that bad here, 
then let her go. You know, maybe she'll realize how good she has it, you know, here or whatever. And, and, and anybody would feel that way. I mean, if you don't know you, if your kids are coming after you or whatever, you know, so long story short, she, remember I told you she had just had her appendix out the day before. Mm -hmm. So she's on pain meds and whatever, and she's and has epilepsy. So she takes medicine. Um, they walk her out the door. I go out 15 minutes later and her car's gone. <laughs> they put her behind the wheel of her car alone without us knowing during COVID on pain medication, because I asked her right before on recorded on the recorded line, you know, from the police or from the deputy sheriff, if she has her pain medication from surgery and they hear this loud and clear, they still put her behind the wheel to drive That's all safe. the way across, across state lines an hour over to my, my oldest daughter's house in Minnesota. Oh so, gosh. So we find this out, you know, of course, if you're not cleared by the doctor, you know, this as a nurse, if you're not mm -hmm. cleared by the doctor to drive your insurance doesn't cover anything. So she would have gotten an accident. It would have been, it, we would have been responsible because she's a minor. And so it would have been my husband and I, that would be paying the bill. Mm -hmm. Not to mention she's upset, she's crying. And you're sitting there telling me that you're worried about her safety and you're putting her in the car, mm -hmm. my income. I can't afford a lawyer right now. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt and I sit down and, and he's trying to calm me down. I've, I start writing complaints. I wrote a complaint all the way up to the director. I said, I'm worried about this person's uh, judgment. This was not okay. There was no reason, no warrant to take my child. This should have never happened. Mm -hmm. um, what is going on? I, you know, no response, none. Mm -hmm. Didn't even acknowledge that they, nothing. Uh, then a couple of days later, uh, the the caseworker, this same caseworker that I was worried about, they don't take her off the case. I had requested, I said, now that I've written an official complaint, she's going to retaliate against me. So I, we need to have a different caseworker. Clearly, her mm -hmm. her decision making process is not okay. You know, mm -mm, mm -mm. we need to have a fair shake. And I said, I, uh, they, she wouldn't let us talk to our daughter. We couldn't even talk to her. I, I go out on Mother's Day a couple of days later, and here's flowers and a card in our post office box. Hmm. In our post office. It's from our youngest daughter. I thought, well, why would she leave it in our post office box and not call me or come in, you know, to the house and it says, Mom, I love you, you know. Well, we get the file back later on, and they told her not to talk to us expressly. So she's trying to give me a covert message saying, I love you, Mom, Aww. you know, while it's still early. Anyway, uh, they let her drive off. She goes off. We don't talk to her for two weeks. Pretty soon, the next things we're starting to hear is there's a no contact order and there's neglect now. And all these things start adding, getting added to our case. And there's no justification for it. You know, I go into research law and I find out that this case, this county here in Wisconsin, and I live in Pierce County, Wisconsin, which is right by the Twin Cities. Right on the border, has a 58% of out-of-home placements. 58%, um, Marianne. Mm -hmm. And and just to give you a reference, the next county right, the adjacent county right north to us, right north of us here, um, has a 7%. Mm -hmm. And the state average for Wisconsin is 12%. Mm -hmm. So 
there's something wrong here. You know, I don't, I don't know how to read these reports, but I'm that big of a difference. The state average is 12% and it's 58, almost 60% here. So I start doing some more digging. I find all kinds of data that's public for everybody to look at. So I encourage you, if you have a CPS case, I've told Marianne this too, go into your state or your county website and go look at their reports. They have to publish their reports to the feds. Any um, data that the state does or the county does especially has to go to the feds it's every other year, mm -hmm. I believe. It's, it's biannual. And you're gonna get a whole lot of information there that, that's really frightening. Um, mm -hmm. Another piece of information I pulled from there was 35% of cases have any evidence at all in Wisconsin. So 35%. And yet 58% of them are getting their kids ripped out of their home. So, you know, me, I, I'm just the quiet one, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get pissed at this point. You know, it's the longer this goes on, I'm still sad. I mean, even to this day, it makes me sick to my stomach that this happened because I feel like I was robbed of the last three months or four months with my daughter in the mm. last year. Um, but, but the whole thing, I, I started doing more, as I got more data and more research, I started getting more angry and more angry and they started doing more and more terrible things to cover up for the things they were doing before. Mm. So, and I, I want to reiterate, reiterate again, I have no history of any drug use, no history of alcohol use. I'm board certified. I've um, been a whistleblower for ethics. I've saved thousands of students. Um, I, I, I just was blown away. So we get to a temporary custody hearing, the judge rubber stamps it because clearly he's spoken to the caseworker long before we ever got to the hearing. The hearing is via Zoom with our house in the background. They can see our home and see, you know, how terrible it is and how unlivable it is, you know, mm. which it's not. We live in a brand new home on a golf course. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, somehow the system's got to work, right? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, I won a jury trial before and I'm thinking, okay, the system does work. I know it's, it's broken in a few places, but somebody's going to catch this somewhere down the line and see, well, wait a minute, there's no evidence, there's no history, there's no probable cause. And, mm -hmm. and no, nope, we get to the temporary custody hearing. I'm faced with three lawyers against us and caseworkers. By the time the case was over, there's nine people earning a paycheck off this case, nine people. And you know what? Not a single one of them ever spoke to either one of us during the entire time. And so we have a permanency plan that was written a week before she turned 18 that says how mentally ill we are and how crazy we are and how we need to submit to drug follicle drug testing and go for treatment. And, and it's written by two social workers who I have never spoke to in my life, nor is my husband. But they were so, caseworkers, right? They didn't have a social work degree. No, the, the two that wrote the permanency plan, oh. I've never met before. They have never met them. I've never spoke with them ever, ever, not even mm. once. And they're writing all these things as if they know us and, and they're lying. I mean, blatant lies. It's, mm -hmm. it's just, and the only allegation was a concern for an allegation of drug use, a concern. And there was nothing found here. Um, and then they sit there and, and write these things like how crazy I am. Well, you know what? Yeah, 
I'm freaking crazy because you took my kid and you shouldn't have. And I've gone through hell over the last month. Yeah, I'm freaking crazy. And you should be educated enough to be able to be compassionate and understand that, you know? Mm. No, they're not. Oh, they're not. They're not. Mm -mm. So uh, in the middle of this, my husband's fed up. I mean, he's fed up. He's going to get Jana. Um, we find out she's staying overnight at her boyfriend's house. And so they're not supervising her at all. You know, they're without any, uh, you know, they're concerned for her safety, but yet she's running all over everywhere, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so he goes to pick her up. Yet he calls the police in Minnesota so that there's no altercation. I mean, we don't want to have any issue with, you know, with our other daughter or anything mm -hmm. like that. Um, just quietly, you go over there, the police come, they go in the house, and of course, my daughters get this caseworker, this original caseworker, who is not a social worker, on the phone. She lies to the police officer, says she's a social worker, and that there's an order, eludes, makes it sound like there's a police order, and that he needs to put a police hold on our daughter so that we can't take her. And uh, there's no, at this point, there's no restriction to our parental rights. We're still her parents. Mm. There's no court orders. Um, there was no emergency. He didn't witness anything. My husband was very respectful and there wasn't any emergent. We don't have any history of any violence or anything. And um, he believes her and writes up a court or a police hold on her. Sends my husband away. So my husband leaves quietly, you know, uh, disheartened. You know, he tried explaining it to him too. I get on the phone with them and I'm pissed at this point. And I said, why would you put a police hold on her? What reason did you have to put a police hold on her? Uh, there's mm -hmm. no emergency. There's mm -hmm. no violence in our family. And I said, he goes, well, her social worker told me to, I said, wait, wait a minute. She's not a social worker. And secondly, she has no jurisdiction in Minnesota, even if she was. Mm -hmm. And thirdly, um, there's nothing, there's no, probable cause. There was no reason for you, you know, there's no emergency, put it that way. Well, he got real quiet after that, the, the police officer, which he's part of my suit too, um, because that's a violation of her parental rights, um, mm -hmm. whether he knew it or not. Uh, <clears throat> so long story short, we get to her 18th birthday. The permanency plan comes a week before she turns 18. Four months she's been in foster care with these foster parents uh, because they did a temporary custody and took her out of my daughter's home and put her in, brought her back over to Wisconsin without any orders or anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then railroaded me at the temporary custody hearing, writing things like she thought she was going to starve. Um, if she didn't buy her own food and she would run away if she came home again. She's never run away or even got close to that. She's, she was actually very, very sweet. You know, I mean, she loved being with us and, and she was a great kid. And I just can't even, I, I don't even know who this person is. You know, I, I, I have texts from her saying how much she loves us. And, and now at this point, the last I heard, she never wants to speak to us again. So whoever has been programming her, working on her throughout this whole situation, we had applied for college and paid her registrations. And, and I think, why would she even run away? That doesn't even make sense. She's going to college in three months. If she was, <clears throat> none of this makes any sense. So I put out an email even to all these people. The foster parents are police officers in the next town. 
So there's no conflict of interest there in the same county, you know. Uh, they're mm -hmm. getting paid to keep our daughter, who's mm -hmm. also a handy dandy babysitter for their four kids, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I start following the money tree. Now all of a sudden I'm seeing this money line. Um, I go to the board, county board, and I, I'm like, I have to file a case. I have to. I'm tired. I'm really tired. I'm, that whistleblower case took everything out of me. And I mean, I, yeah, it saved 10,000, tens of thousands of students, but it was, you know, just being a whistleblower sucks. Um, mm -hmm. Going through all of that was, even though you're telling the truth, it, it's devastating life-wise. <clears throat> but um, I'm sitting here at this point, you know, my husband and I are talking. I said, I can't just let this go. Yeah, I know she's 18, but I... You know this is wrong she they've destroyed my relationship they can't do this to anybody else i have to stop this or at least die trying mm -hmm. she lied to the police officer for god's sake and i he actually documented that he documented that she called herself a social worker so mm. in wisconsin that's against the law by the way in most states it is actually mm -hmm. um you can't represent yourself as something you're not obviously um so now I'm going to file a court case. Can't find a lawyer because mm -hmm. it's a specialized court case and nobody wants to take on the county. They yeah, they know. No one does. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Even as, as egregious as my case was, and I mean, I'm telling you, there is not one thing that they did per protocol or that was on the up and up because I have no history of anything with Wisconsin, nothing. And it, it, it was just, it's like, they messed up on every single part of it. Um, my complaint, they acknowledged that the director received it, but nobody ever responded to it. I even went to the governor, Marianne. I wrote a letter to the governor. I wrote letters to legislate. I copied everyone I could. I got a response, two responses back from the governor actually saying I needed to follow, follow the complaint process. And I did months ago, you know, I just, nobody would listen to me. So said fine i'll file a case and i'll take it as far as it'll go i'm not a lawyer and i don't claim to be one and and it's devastating and i wish you know because it's a constitutional law where we filed a federal case that they are violating our constitutional rights which i'm is pretty common isn't mm -hmm. it I, most yeah. cps cases are federal right yeah civil mm -hmm. rights violations um so I filed the case and it has not gotten thrown out. <laughs> I've been trying to study with your help and everybody else trying to learn about this. And we're in discovery process right now. And we actually have a trial set for October of 2022 in Wisconsin here. And um, I, I have all this evidence and I, you know, I feel so much better if I had an attorney, but I can't afford one right now. And nobody wants to take on the county. Um, I would add that the judge mysteriously retired briefly, hmm, right? That sounds right after my case. Yeah, isn't that great? And yeah. we went through uh, what two or three DAs in that four or five month period um, in the county here. So they're all trying to catch each other up, and nobody knows where it's at. And they finally dismissed the case. They they started charging us. They still have charged us thousands of dollars said, you take my child illegally and then you charge me for it. I can only imagine how scared Jana was, her uh, daughter. I can, only, I can only imagine how much she was programmed that um, 
in the files, you know, in discovery so far, we've gotten our CPS file and the caseworker comes right out and says that your parents don't want you. Uh. So, you know, I, without her being able to talk to us and they won't let us talk to her, have any visitation, zero, zero, not even any. Um, then finally we, we get to the point uh, where she's going to college and I still can't reach out to her. After she's 18, I want to send her a basket, you know, right away mm -hmm. just to say, hey, we love you, we support you. Is there anything we can do, you know, to help you? I miss you, you know, everything. And I get the police. Mm -hmm. get the police calling my husband from where she's going to college, which is in another state. It's a couple hours away. Um, saying that uh, if we stalk her again, or if we tried, this is the only time we've ever tried to contact her. We, we don't know her phone number. The caseworker told her to change her phone number and not give it to anyone. Um, so uh, I called the policeman back and said, we've never tried contacting you before and this is the story. And, and then he, he was fine after that. Um, Christmas came, I bought gifts for her. I sent him over to our oldest daughter's house and um, no word, nothing back from her. It, um, essentially the county helped her get scholarships and funding in return, in exchange for not speaking to us ever again, I guess, for destroying that relationship. That was their penance for, I guess they helped her to some degree. Um, I don't even know what to say. It's like, it's so wrong on so mm. many levels. And the, so much more dirt has come out. And they're trying to, to gag this. You know, mm -hmm. I, I have a feeling that that's going to be coming. That's why you and I are talking because there's no well, gag yeah. order. Well, because this sh shocks the conscience. Absolutely. On and I so many levels. My, mm -hmm. yep. Right. And that's one of the criteria. Um, you know, like I said, I'm not a lawyer, but I have done all this. I have an honorary law degree. Um, but I've done all this research and all this case law and I, I, my eyes are probably blood, permanently bloodshot because I've done mm -hmm. all this case law for so read, read up and read and read and read and read about a case after case. It's a travesty in the United it States. Is. This isn't just here. This is horrible across the United States. And I am floored that, that we are allowing this it's it's mm -hmm. legal kidnapping is what it is mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so i go to the board the county board um it's our county commissioners i don't know each state has a different uh title for them their mm -hmm. board of supervisors here county commissioners in other states whatever um or they handle all the, yeah right they handle all the financial things for the state and i i petition to get on their call and i record it you know and they're kind of dancing around oh uh, well um 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 we're, we're currently 500 and some thousand dollars in the deficit due to out-of-home placements. Oh. With, with how much more that the feds owe us for funding and blah, blah, blah. And come to find out, the, the county is $600,000 in the hole. Now, I would think that most other taxpayers like me would want to know that, mm -hmm. that they're mm -hmm. stealing kids 
and then billing the county and the counties the county commissioners are going whoa how whoa, how are we going to pay for all these hours because these caseworkers are hiring all these attorneys who are now billing hours out and mm-hmm. they're handing out paychecks right and left to everybody for doing absolutely nothing mm-hmm. in a case that doesn't need them in the first place they um, they, they so, also piggyback attorneys is what they do too yes yes they do yeah and and it's all it's a good old boy network i mean you get on their referral list and oh i'm you know so and so i haven't used her for a while we're gonna and that's another reason you can't find an attorney in this area because we're in a rural a semi-rural area according to the the charting on for wisconsin and uh all the attorneys there's few in our in our county but they're all they all are retained by the municipalities already so it's a conflict of interest or or one of their partners in a in the firm is retained you know so um that throws them all out you know, but help me then um mm. it's just it's hopefully if anybody's listening you'll get a hold of me and help me if you're an attorney i could use some help yeah um, yeah but yes we did get that far and i think like you said, it shocks the conscience. And all of these things are just so absurd, absurdly mm-hmm. wrong. I mean, it's not like it's just, well, you know, it could be maybe here that, you know, no, no, the, my case, the way what they've done to me is completely 150% wrong. Violations mm-hmm. of my First Amendment, Fourth Amendment, Fifth, uh, Ninth, Ninth, and Fourteenth, 14th, 14th. Mm-hmm. you know, Amendment. Uh, it's, it's, pathetic and so and i think that's that's why the judges are allowing this to proceed and go forward you know and not uh you know not uh, dismissing it right away and read it has got to be just disgusting an eye-opener and i can't believe that the governor and and everyone else you know they just blew me off the the attorney general i, I said uh this gal violated law Here's the statute where it says you can't call yourself a social worker. And here's where the officer reported that she did that just to withhold our child from us. And, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we, we don't go after our own people. Well, what the hell? What, what are you doing then? <laughs> you know? right. What do you mean your own people? She's not your oh. people just because she's hired by the county. I, I mean, I just, I don't even know what to say. I'm like, I thought. I, I didn't think the state was like this, but it's Wisconsin is really something. And I need, you know, um, I, I reached out to the ACLU and heard anything from them. Uh, we mm-hmm. do have a family friend who's an attorney and he's, you know, told me a few bits of information and things like that, but he's definitely not a family attorney and not a constitutional law. So it's uh, it's been a challenge. Uh, all I can do is all I can do. So I'm just doing everything I can. I do have a friend who is a um, a whistleblower, a DCF whistleblower in Washington, D.C., and has several 15 years of creating policy and doing all kinds of great things that actually do help kids. Mm. Um, and and she volunteered to be a, a witness, you know, at the trial. And, and so I'm pl- pleased about that. I mean, it'd be a slam dunk for any attorney that <laughs> probably right. that steps in. Um, but yeah, that it's, it's wrong and they destroyed my relationship. I, you know, I've, you and I have both shared that we've gotten mm-hmm. on some group messages, um, mm-hmm. some, um, PTSD anon groups and things like that. But here again, I can't afford, and I don't have the time to go to counseling. Well, that's rough because I'm still helping my husband and, 
Mm -hmm. Like our daughters have just abandoned us, you know, at the hands of this caseworker. That Mother's Day card I got from her was the last card mm. I've gotten. No Christmas, no birthday, no, mm. no nothing, as if I'm dead. I'm so and, sorry. Uh, yeah, oh, it's not your fault. It's not. Oh. And, I, you know, I, I've tried everything. I have. I really have. It's alienation. You know, I, I've studied up on parental alienation. You know that. And mm -hmm. there, it's a real thing. And it doesn't necessarily always have to be at the hands of an ex or a spouse. Mm -hmm. Um, right. Alienation is anybody that's close to your child can mm -hmm. alienate them against you. And, and uh, I think these caseworkers play a major role in that absolutely. as well, because uh, we had a caseworker actually hug my son and he had told me he didn't want her ever touching him. Oh my God. And then I looked what? it up and, and technically these caseworkers aren't allowed to lay hands on these kids. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Without a reason or right. permission. Yeah. Uh, that, that's weird. Sickening. How yeah. old was he when she did that? Oh, yeah, I think he was maybe 15 or 16. Yeah. They, they don't want to be touched at that age anyway. By anybody. I know. That's, you know, ugh. yeah. Um, yeah. I know it's, it's an abuse of power on it, their it behalf. Is. You have these people that nobody ever challenges them because nobody you know nobody wants to let's face it most people that are targeted by cps are usually people that are low income they're struggling families they're just trying to get by um you know they're working two jobs whatever mm -hmm. what have you so they mm -hmm. don't have the means or the knowledge even to go mm -hmm. get a lawyer and and fight this so cps is just runs amok everywhere oh, yes. they're able yes. to do whatever they want to and say and well i don't feel i don't like you so i'm going to file this case and mm -hmm. you know ridiculous well <laughs> we had, now, well no you're allowed um <laughs> that we had a caseworker we were in a meeting and she got ticked off and she got up to leave and she said to my counselor that woman lives better than I do. Oh, so is that reason for you to make my life hell? Because sure. I worked hard to become a nurse and you didn't? Yep, absolutely. According to the DCF policy that's unwritten, evidently, it's, um, you, you know, and, and I feel for, for DCF. I, you know, I'm not going after DCF per se. I'm going after the people that wronged me. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's who I'm going after because I know I'm going to give this disclaimer from working in my other state, my home state of South Dakota and dealing with CPS clinically. There are some great people. I never had an issue. Every single caseworker I talked to in South Dakota was wonderful. They're great people. They, they actually were there for the kids and they were there to help them. And I never had an issue. In fact, there were times where they sent the child back and I was thinking, hell no, they don't, you know, they shouldn't mm -hmm. go back there. So it's not, it's, it's widespread in that there are these random pockets of infection in different places, you know, these toxic people mm -hmm. that are not good for kids, they're brainwashing, they're doing, um, paying them off, bribing them, and they're at a, at a vulnerable time in their life, you know, this will affect my child relationship and mine for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, I'm so hurt and disgusted and that it'll, I'll never, it'll never be the same. You know, I lost that innocent, 
you know, relationship that I had with her. And I was robbed of the last few months that I could spend time with her. And we had plans to go to, you know, water park and all kinds of stuff. And, and that's the last day I was talked to her. So you can't tell me that she all of a sudden overnight decided that she hated me and never wanted to talk to me ever again. Mm-hmm. And all the way up to that point, I have texts and thank you, mom. I love you. Here's mm-hmm. where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I what they, I don't believe they, it. they did, what they did was they just cut off contact and then put her with the older daughter who probably proceeded to brainwash her like a cult. Right. Yeah. And then not to mention it didn't stop there. Um, you know, when she did go get her two weeks later, um, the caseworker came back to get her after we went to we went to try and go get pick her up that night, and then we were denied. Well, the caseworker came then while she was on this supposed police hold, and brought her back to Wisconsin illegally, basically because she didn't have custody of her. There there was no change in custody, and she didn't mm-hmm. notify us, and so and placed her with foster parents before we even had a temporary custody hearing. Um, she was at the foster parents' home at the hearing that day. They did not ask her anything. They didn't ask her to talk. She was there. <clears throat> the only thing the judge asked her that day was uh, if she's happy, you know, getting ready for school, for college, and to congratulate her on being a good student. And despite everything, what, what, what do you mean despite everything? Oh. What, what do you mean despite it? We weren't allowed to talk, number one. <clears throat> Um, my husband had to interrupt the judge at the end to say, hey, can I say something? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Which he was allowed to say, to speak, but it didn't make any difference. The judge, minute he was done, rubber stamped it, nope, and gave us a lecture on what poor parents we were and how our poor parenting was going to affect not only our children, but our grandchildren, and we really need to rethink our lives. And Oh, my like, God. Wait, what? You don't even know anything about us. You don't, you know. Right. I'm like, what? How old was he, do you think, that judge? Um, yeah, between 65 and 70. He just yeah, that's what retired. they are. Yeah. Yeah. Retired. Well, right I, after I, that. I had one drop dead, but still that wasn't good enough. I mean, I could never, mm-hmm. because everybody knew everybody. Right. Yeah. You know, you just couldn't um, get anything done. <laughs> I, the thing about it too is the director, you know, where I sent my first complaint to the director of the county, mm-hmm. mysteriously disappears also. Hmm. He is no longer there. We, and there's nothing about it. It's just all of a sudden he's not there anymore and they have a new director. And then I find out he's still working in the county. So I, I don't know what happened there. Nobody will tell me. They redact half of the files. So I have no idea what's being said, which I'm going to have to get a court order to find out. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing about it, the my dad always used to say, my dad was a deputy sheriff also, and uh, he used to say, as long as we have faith, as long as the people have faith in one out of the three branches, mm-hmm. we'll be okay. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, you have your three branches of government, you have your judiciary, you have your executive or your president, and then you have your legislative or your Congress. So you have president, Congress, judges. Mm-hmm. As long as the people have faith in one of them, we're okay. Well, or not. I don't think, I think people are losing faith in the judiciary Mm -hmm. and nobody trusts Congress. I mean, give me a break or the president, come on. Mm -hmm. So I think we're in, we're in trouble in this country. And unless we band together, God bless us all. 
I don't give a crap if you're a Republican or a Democrat unless we band together and find some common ground and stop all of our rights from being stripped from us and mm -hmm. get over this petty crap. We're in trouble. We're in big, mm -hmm. big trouble. Um, I do a podcast too, and mm -hmm. I talk to other whistleblowers, and it's it's amazing. I, mm -hmm. You know, it's it's kind of sad. I feel sad for our future in this country unless we become Americans and band together and do something about this. You know. Well, we're going to so. have so many mixed up kids that don't know how to treat other people and this is going to perpetuate the problem further because if they can't respect their parents they can't respect authority right <laughs> but they don't have to marianne that we've raised mm -hmm. these kids you know it's it is partially our fault i'm going to say this it is partially mm -hmm. our own fault because we raised them to be independent thinkers and you don't need this and you can have whatever you want you can do whatever you want um and they're looking at us as displaced people because here i you know i saved tens of thousands of students from being in lifelong debt from college from a for-profit college um that they would never get out of they would never get out from under that debt if they would have stayed in that boat and they had no degree that was basically worth it to pay for it and that sort of thing um but but you have what I read some statistics. One third of kids are um, still living at home up until mm -hmm. the age of 30, mm -hmm. 30 years old, and still one third of them are still living at home with their parents. Mm -hmm. And so you have them, they're displaced. They don't know what end is up. They've never taken care of themselves. They're not, mm -hmm. they don't have any confidence. So mm -hmm. who are they going to blame for all their woes in life? Mm -hmm. Well, who's the only people that are in front of them every freaking day, you know? Um, now it becomes the parent. Well, if you would have done this better, I wouldn't still be living here. And if you mm -hmm. would have done this, then I wouldn't do that. And then my friend says, I don't need toxic toxicity people in my life. I don't need to have you in my life. I can have whoever I want to in my life. Mm -hmm. I, I, and it's just devastating because they don't understand. It's an emotional immaturity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They don't understand how it affects the parent. You know, until you are a parent, you don't. You know, I would never do anything like that to my parents. Mm -mm. And my mother, you know, was not nice to me growing mm -hmm. up. She was very hard on me. And she's part of the issue with this too. And, uh, but I still, she's still my mother and I still would never do something so horrible to them. Mm -hmm. um, and I read other, you know, you read the other moms too. And it's heartbreaking mm -hmm. to read these people that have been estranged from their children for 10 years and they don't know why they've never mm -hmm. been told why. Um, I've never been told why. I have no idea why my daughter would do that other than money. She wanted money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we've given them everything. We spoiled them actually is probably, and I, I, and I take responsibility for that too. You know, we, I was the police officer as the policeman. My husband was daddy permission, you know, oh, just ask dad. He'll let us do it. Just ask dad. He'll let us go. And mom's the mean, mean old mommy. I remember one mm -hmm. of them saying, and I'm mm -hmm. like, uh, so now I'm paying for it because now all this is directed at me. But well, I don't um, think because you've been kind to your child, you should have to pay for anything when they're behaving like this. Right. This this is a new breed of entitlement. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It, it really is. Um, because you know, I always worked with the kids if they wanted something it's like well you pay half i'll pay half if, if yeah. you want that mow the lawn 
<laughs> right. Yeah. Well, right. Well, you you tried to teach them responsibility and chores. I mean, we all try to do that. Um, but I suppose your ex was very permissive too, and just let him do whatever and run whatever, and you know. Well, um, you know what what he was doing. Apparently, what I heard over there was. Um, he ran a pretty tight ship and they had to do chores and this and that. And I mean, these were good kids. If you said, Hey, can you mow the lawn or pick up the leaves? They readily did it, you know, and I would pay him something for it, for doing their, you know, labor. So, um, you know, I just, I don't know. They, they said that I was, um, Oh, how, how they, I don't know how the court worded it, but I was like, um, just, you know, um, I can't, I'm so sorry. I can't like, even think right uh, now. Uh, like authoritarian or, or no, you just like went he, along he, with whatever. Uh, he, they said that he was the authoritarian and I was the one that just, you know, let everybody do as like they lazy. lazy. Well, but the thing was, just, you know, yeah. it wasn't like laziness, but they, it was like, um, I, I was just, I just let them live. And oh, okay. they, you know, like they, if they wanted to stay up, uh, however, not on a school night, you had to be in bed and, and lights out at 9 PM, you know, but mm -hmm. on the weekends, 11, you know, I was just very, you know, you can, you can come and go, just let me know where you're going. My kids were older, right. of course. Right. And I, you know, um, discipline wasn't a big issue because they weren't being bad. Exactly. And that's what I want to say about my kids were great kids. And I told them, we told them right and left. And I'm sure you told your kids the same thing. As long as you're good, I don't care. You can make your own decisions as long mm -hmm. as they're good decisions. And as long as you're not getting into trouble, mm -hmm. I'm going to let you have that ground to be able to do that. But mm -hmm. um, I don't know, you, you kind of beat yourself up. You know, kind of, you beat yourself up. I've been through so much with this mm -hmm. stroke and, and um, income and just struggling and and then the CPS bull you know and the community they've talked to people in our community and like obviously I don't care what people think in my community but mm. but um, even friends and family look at us sideways and I sit there and think come on you've known me for 25 years you know that we would never do anything we never I can't even remember a time I spanked my kids you know I don't mm. I I just can't even, or neglected them, or, you know, they've never lost any weight. They look the same. They're healthy, beautiful girls. I, I sit there and, you know, it's that how can cancel people culture. just go with that? Yeah. It's that cancel culture. They, they, these people just, I guess, are spoon fed lies and they just sit there and get patted on the head and they just go along and believe these lies and they can't think for themselves. This is what the problem is with society. Yeah. No one can think for themselves. That's right. Or investigate or, mm -hmm. or even have the common sense to say, hey, wait a minute. Hey, mm -hmm. wait, you know, where's the evidence here? I know Heidi. I know that she wouldn't do something like mm -hmm. that. I know. But nobody... I mean, everybody's first on board to be killed messenger, kill the messenger. Right, right. Oh, the whistleblower is the one that's to blame. You know, no, the whistleblower is the one that's trying to do the right thing to help you and me and everyone else. You know, um, we, it's like we go after the wrong people. I, um, so it's well, been I, devastating that way. I mm -hmm. don't know. If you could look back, I mean, like I told you before, I just wouldn't let them in. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't let them in. And I would give that advice to every single person that I, whether you're guilty or not, 
-hmm. not let them in your home. Mm -hmm. Get a hold of somebody that can give you legal advice or at least spiritual advice, um, somebody other than them. Mm and definitely you can show them your kids you, and you do need to show them your kids. Um, and everything points to that. If they come knocking on your door, you can say, here, look in the window. This is my child and they're doing absolutely fine and have your child wave at them and, and say, you're not allowed to come in my home. Mm-hmm. And that way they, they, there's nothing they can do. Truly. Mm-hmm. They saw that the child was okay and the child wasn't, uh, they can and, and they do go and talk to them at schools mm-hmm. alone. Um, so I would tell every parent out there, make a mandate, write a official note to the school saying you do not allow, do not give permission for them to allow anyone to speak with their child without you being present. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise it's a free for all. They can catch your kid at school. They can mm-hmm. talk to them oh, without you being yeah. there. Multiple times. And, they they won't leave man- alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're manipulators. Mm-hmm. These people know, they know what to say. They know exactly how to word and twist everything around to make mm-hmm. it sound like you're um, the biggest monster ever. And they are not there to do a fair investigation by Mm-mm. any means at all. Slipshod, slipshod. They didn't talk to anyone. My my neighbor who lives right across the road from us, he's an 80-year-old guy. He's, he's kind of cantankerous, but I love him. He, he's kind of cute. Um, he wrote a letter saying, you know, I watch everything that goes on over there. He actually put that in the letter. It was kind of cute because he does. He kind of watches. And we mow his yard and help him out and things like that. But he said, these are the nicest people I've ever lived next to and blah, blah, blah. She didn't contact anyone. Same anyone. here. Hmm. No one. Apparently, this is their MO, which is modus operandi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, mm, now, with you running a podcast, if someone wants to contact you, how do you, no. or do you not want to be contacted? Uh, no, I want to be contacted. Okay. I want anybody, you know, you don't even have to live in Wisconsin. If you have a CPS case and you are completely innocent, you're getting railroaded. Call me because I can, I need help. I, I can, you know, can use you. Um, you can use me as a witness. We have to band together somehow. And you can contact me at no stop Heidi all together. So N O S T O P H E I D I at gmail.com. So no stop Heidi at gmail.com. And I told you why they call me no stop, right? Did oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The executive producer of CBS, I was on CBS whistleblower and then they hired me as an associate producer for season two. Um, just said, Oh my gosh, Heidi, and this is way before any of this happened. You are, you are the, un- the unstoppable Heidi Weber. You just do not give up. You just keep going, going, going. And so mm-hmm. it just kind of somehow got shortened to no stop. So it's oh, I love it. Funny. I know. I love, love that name too. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't at first. I was kind of like, God, I sound like a total, you know, <laughs> and I'm not. but yeah, but yeah, I, yeah, I totally am. I, yeah. I, I kind of am. I, I you have to be know, anyway. You have to right. be. <laughs> well, I, you know, I said this lady, she messed with the wrong mama. Cause I can mm-hmm. tell you, I am going to make sure that at least I'm going to do as much as I can to make these people accountable for what they've done to me. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and stop them from giving it to anybody else, you know. So get a hold of me. Uh, my podcast is called The Whistleblower Revolution. I talk to attorneys, get to hear cool stories. 
famous whistleblowers. Um, and uh, my, it's at whistleblowerrevolution.com. And we're also picked up by all the same wonderful, lovely people that Marianne's podcast is picked up by. So iHeartRadio, Pandora, blah, 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 Google, Apple, blah, blah, blah. So you're all over, definitely. Well, hey, don't, don't jump off, okay? I won't. I'm here. Slam <laughs> <Sloan> the Galveston <laughs> podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again in the future with Heidi and other guests for exciting episodes. Thank you. Thank you, Heidi, for this information. I'll have you back on to update us again. Absolutely. Get a hold of me. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.